Not the tree, the branch's diameter. The shortest one to the ground is eight feet. And there's something that I've just been enamored with it. And most of us have not grown up in an agricultural setting or uh, maybe if you've been outside uh, quite a bit in your life, you've been able to see some of the nuances of different growth and trees and development. But one of the things I love about the parables of Christ is he found moments that were common to people and he used it for truth. And today we're going to look at the parable of the sower and the seeds. And um, while most of us have never been in an agricultural environment, I want to be able to connect what it does look like maybe for our environment in the peninsula. And one of the dynamics of us saying that we believe in the authority of God's word as a value for PCC is not that just we listen to it and we read it, but we actually live under that authority. And then how do we take what God is doing in his scriptures to be able to share that with others? One of the dynamics that we have as followers of Christ is life transformation, and we get to share that. And so when we talk about this gospel, what we're really talking about is the fact that God created in a perfect, beautiful environment. But when we have the choice to say, God, am I going to obey you or not, we lean away from that. And the Bible calls that sin. And literally, it means miss the mark. If you think of an archer who's aiming for a target, he never, ever, ever hits bullseye. That's, that's a, the best illustration I can give you about sin. It's missing the mark. And because sin forces all of us, our brains, our minds, our souls, to miss the mark, we never can live in relationship with God the Father. And because of that sin, we don't have the ability to have the blessing of knowing what is God's Spirit. We talked about that last night. And one of the tensions that we have, and so often people go, hey, I don't hear God's voice. One of my questions will be, if I know that they're a follower of Christ, is, are you sinning? Are you rebellious, rebelliously saying, God, I don't care about your standard, nor do I care about your truth, and I want to do my own thing. And we can develop this hard heart. Hebrews 4, 7 says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And the root of that is actually from Isaiah, when he talks about rebellious sin. And so I want to kind of leave that as a platform to build off this morning to say, in our lives, if we say we want to be people of God's word, we also have to be willing to say, I want to live in, under that authority in all ways, and I want this transforming work of Christ to be something I use to share with others. So Luke 8 is where we're going to start. And we're going to walk through this, starting in verse 9. And when his disciples, oh, back up, sorry, verse 4. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. A parable is an illustrative story with meaning. It's the best way to compare it. It's just an illustrative story with meaning. But think of what's going on here. There's a crowd from town after town, town after town, there's a mob of people. And he's teaching, he says this, a sower or a farmer went out to sow his seed. Literally would take seed. It would be a, uh, a yoke, a brace across the neck. It would be two satchels of seed and they would grab and throw and just walk the fields and throw in it. So they're just throwing seed wherever because the most seed in the ground that's going to get tilled is the hope for the products, the product that they're trying to grow. Often it was wheat. There was a type of barley that was grown in the first century in kind of the Jerusalem area. Uh, there, there was not much like flowers. If you've ever seen pictures of, of Israel, it actually looks like Southern California desert. Very rocky, but there's little caveats of spot where they could find healthy places to grow wheat, grow barley. And he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. We'll come back to these, what they mean. 
Some fell on the rock as it grew, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and it choked it out. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, if we just pause there, there'd be a great farmer grows. That's what farmers do. Thank you, Midwest, for supplying us with bread. Like, that's kind of how we roll with that. But I love this little line in verse 8 that Luke records. This is when the disciples asked him what this parable meant. Have you ever shopped at Ikea? Have you ever tried to put it together yourself? Now, I love construction. I love woodworking. Ikea confuses me. Like, I don't know what it is with the Swedes. They think they know everything, and they really don't. Um, I got your back, Tony. Um, Here's what's really interesting. Um, I love furniture. I love building stuff. You know what I don't love? I don't love cars. I'll talk to people that know everything they do about cars. And they're like, yeah, this fuel injector carburetor that runs 820 horsepower, it's way better than the Duramax diesel that's running 410 horsepower. I'm like, oh, yeah, great. What did he just say? That's me. Like, I'm that guy. I, had, I, I know nothing other than it looks pretty. Like, that's about it. And there's times where I've got to go to people and go, what is he talking about? And what's going on? That's really what the disciples are doing here. Jesus gone, what do you mean? What do you mean? As a side note, that's the beauty of the church. It's the beauty of a body of believers that gather to go, what's really going on here? And can we dig at this together? It's the reason we gather on Sunday mornings. Right now, Hudson's meeting. They're half an hour, 35 minutes into their service. Our 11 o'clock is going to be meeting at Farm Hill in a little bit. It's the reason we do a body of believers together because we are the church and we say we want He says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. For others they see in parables. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who they hear the word. They receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for those that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go out on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, there's some visuals there that I think many of us can track with, but um, there's a couple of thoughts that I have on these, um, these lines that Jesus is kind of classifying. And the common sense is like, yeah, I get it. Rock and seed and soil usually aren't good. Yep, thorns are going to choke it out. Weeds can go faster than some of the produce that we're trying to grow. And so I can see how the moisture is robbed from that. And then there's those that don't even make it in the soil. The birds come, snag it. That's food for them. But what about that's good? So we can see some of those. But I, I want to, I was trying to think through, hey, what are, the, what are some common day ways that we can maybe look at this? And here's a thought. Where Jesus says, hey, the seed of the word is the word of God. And those that are along the path or those that have, not, have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart, so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. I was trying to think, um, what are the voices of comparison and competition, and what do they do to us? I don't care where you're at in life, what stage, whether you're middle school, all the way up to you retired. There's a voice of comparison and competition that we're always wrestling. And those voices of comparison and competition 
are also those voices that go, hey, you're not good enough or you don't have what it takes or you've got to work this extra time to get this next promotion or what does it look like that your family doesn't look as healthy as that family and you are not at your phase of life that you should be or you don't have as much financially invested at this point in time to be able to retire on this track. Like we can just get a resounding gong of voices of comparison and competition that choke out what Jesus may be speaking to us because the voices of comparison and competition are based on this world and the values of this world and the values of what people in our culture say, this is most important. And Jesus often goes, no, 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 no. I have something better for you. And that's the gospel. The gospel that says that you on your own are going to miss the mark over and over and over. But I, being God, said I don't want you to fail. I actually don't want you to live separated from my kingdom and me and my heart. I want you to know me. I want you to have my spirit and I want you us to live the way I created it to be. And so I'm going to actually remove that sin because there's nothing you can do to do that on your own. There's no way you missing the mark, being imperfect, can say, hey, I want justification. This is a cool church word we use, which means to be made right. Jesus says, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to take your sin. But this is not a punch a heaven ticket. This is a live life with God daily interaction. And I find often that people that are playing the comparison game are allowing those voices to choke them out. Grandma was really good at checking this for us as kids. My grandma would look at me, all five foot three of her, and usually it was eye to eye, and then she would point up. Why? My grandma taught me the power of that question. Why? Why am I believing this? Why do I believe if I don't start as a freshman on varsity that I'm not good? Why do I believe if I don't get into that college that I'm no good? Why do I believe if I don't make this income, I'm not adequate for my family? She just taught me the power of this question, why? And so I often wonder when it comes to us living life with Christ, do we say, why do I not believe that what God has for me is everything? Every single song we just sang has a root in Jesus, you're my all. And that's all I want is you. Because that's all I need is you. It's interesting that we often play the comparison contrast game as opposed to Jesus, what truth do you have for me? There's this unique word in Greek, it's called pneuma. It's where we get the root of pneumatic. It means breath and air, powerful air. It's the same Greek word that God's spirit is used in the New Testament. That the breath of God is what fuels us. And it's the comparison of what God's scripture is for us. That it's God's very breath. Do you treat the scriptures that way? Do you treat the Bible that this is God's very breath for me? Um, there's another voice that we got to look at. Um, and then there's those that fell among the thorns. There are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. I think that's a voice of stress and pressure. It's a voice of stress and pressure. Stress and pressure creates so much anxiety in our culture across our age demographics that it chokes the very life from us. Has anybody almost drowned? A couple of us? It's a unique feeling. To actually breathe in water. I went surfing and I had no business being out. And those of you are like, oh, I know those days. I actually had to have a friend grab me and bring me back up 
And I never felt so much relief than when that first breath of air. And that's the closest parallel that I've ever been able to have from someone that I've never gone under an anxiety attack. I've never had anything like that. But stress and pressure is what keeps us up at night. It's what makes us double check the bank account to see how we pay the bills. It's what uh, makes us go, hey, how are my kids doing? And I'm nervous and I'm fretting and I'm nervous and I'm fretting and I'm nervous and I'm fretting. And it just wells us, wells us, wells us. It's a reason that we often can't sleep. It's a reason marriages are argumentative. It's a reason that so many problems happen is because we're sitting back and enjoying the stress and pressures versus going, hey, God, what do you have for us as a family? And that sounds so pastoral, right? It sounds so easy to say. But when we say, God, I want what is best for you, we actually go back and say, I want Jesus. I want this gospel. I want the ability to have this freedom of all that Christ has for me. And then there's the voice of grace and truth, which is what the soil, the seed that falls on the soil, and it takes root and it grows and matures. Verse 15, note for this, I would encourage you to underline this. As for that in good soil, there are those that hearing the word hold it fast. I'm reading from the ESV. Others may say hold tight or grow. Um, That in the context means this, to detain and never let go. To detain and never let go. What does that look like to detain God's word in your life and never, ever let it go? Um, There's two walkaways that I want to encourage you to have, and then there's a couple spots that um, I think there's some things that families, as well as we as part of PCC, could be mindful of. One of them is this. Circumstances should never dictate our theology. Circumstances should never dictate our theology. Our theology guides us through our circumstances. Theology is this big word that means the study of God and who God is. My circumstances should not dictate how I view God. Who God is revealed through the scriptures is how I should view life. And there's a tension there. And the way that we keep in that tension and the way we keep that as a forefront is being able to say, how are we doing? How am I doing? The beauty of small groups, the beauty of an environment that says, I'm willing to be honest and raw and I just need to share this and I need people to help me think clearly through this. The beauty of having pastoral care, the beauty of having people that are more mature in their faith and life that we can go to just as soundboards in our lives. All of those things are elements that we need to be able to go, hey, how am I doing with this? I'm wrestling here. And that means vulnerability. It means authenticity. It means that we're willing to say, God, I want to listen to and lean into all that you have As I lean into you and I'm transformed by your spirit, I'm going to take that and share that with others. Circumstances should never dictate our theology, but our theology should guide us through our circumstances. Uh, Some people you will run into have this, well, why do bad things happen to good people? It's an interesting conversation. But if you run with that, okay, what does it look like for God to lead through those? The second one is this. Um, Truth and boundaries are needed. Truth and boundaries are needed. And God's word provides both. What is truth and what are the boundaries? What are truth and what are the boundaries? Uh, we grew up, uh, I shared a little bit that we grew up in the country. We've, uh, at one point in time, we had 397 horses. Uh, it's a lot of work. And the other thing that we also had was a lot of dogs. And we had a dog, we nicknamed him Houdini. Okay? He got in, out of anything and everything. No matter what pen we created, no matter how we tried to secure him, he got out of it except for one time. One time we decided that the pen he was in needed to be higher. Like, not six feet, not 12 feet, 18 feet. 
If you don't believe me, I've watched a lab climb 13 foot of chain link fence. Like, incredible. And jump down from that without breaking anything. And often, here's what we see in Scripture. It just builds higher boundaries. Not because it's a can't. Not because God is playing this vindictive, you can't do that because I'm a puppeteer. It's no, no, no. What's on the other side of that boundary is destructive for you and our relationship. Students, one of the things that you're going to see starting this next midweek is Katie and I both are going to have for you guys what we call devotionals, discipleship journals, where for five bucks, we're going to give you resources so you can spend time with God's Word regularly. To where when you're spending time with God's Word, you develop the spiritual muscle and it's really the spiritual discipline. And that leads me to this point for us as families. Often, we go, hey, well, how do we do this? How do we follow God's word? You need to have time as a family where you're reading it together, sharing about it. And the pushback I often get is like, uh, yeah, I don't feel like doing that. That's why you quit going to the gym, because you don't feel like doing it. The best way to develop a habit is do it when you don't feel like it and keep doing it until it becomes a habit. I, am, I love hearing moments where families are like, hey, this is where in our week or in our month, we just go, hey, let's read and let's process together. And here's what you have as a church family. We're in this with you to provide you resources. Not just for you, but one of the things that's beautiful about after leaving Sundays is there's take-home elements for every person from every environment to go, we want you to engage in God's word on your own. Because we want you as a person who loves God's word to, be li- to live by God's word and to follow it. Because when we live by God's word, guess what we get to share? This hope of Christ. Here's my encouragement. In your environment, school, home, uh, campuses, workplace, clubs, extracurriculars, activities, Home Depot of all places works great too. Here's where you can actually be people that are infusing hope into a city to help people develop passionate following Christ one home at a time is share what God's doing in you and be okay not having the answers. Most people don't share about their faith because they're worried about having to have all the answers to people's questions. And do you have all the answers? No, I don't. I joke with students all the time, I have a degree in God and I don't have all the answers. But here's what we can do. I was, but God, and now. It works. I was a stressor. But God gave me peace knowing that he plans steps for me that I'm not even aware of, Proverbs 16, 9. And now I'm able to live with less stress in my life. You give me a category and you can go, I was, but God, and now. And that would just be a tip, I would say, when you think about sharing Christ in your environment is, hey, I was, but God, and now. And part of who we are as PCC is saying, we believe in this gospel so much that we want anybody and everybody to hear it, to know it, and go back to what I started with Saturday morning, that we were so eager and we loved you so much that we shared not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. When it comes to sharing Christ, people are going to watch you by your actions as well as your words. And when they watch you being authentic, consistent, you gain traction there. And when you live life with them daily, it matters. 
uh, this last week, uh, someone said, hey, how you doing? And um, there was kind of, it's been, it's been rough, just to be honest. There's been, the last 10 days have been really challenging. Um, I had a friend um, commit suicide. And uh, Derek was uh, someone that I poured six years of my life into. Uh, we became mutual friends because our kids were in the same school. Um, Derek was a law enforcement officer in the Anaheim area. And Derek was someone that I shared coffee with, that I shared life with, that we went camping together, we would do vacations together. And Derek always um, had several tension points with the reality of Jesus. And we talked through those. And the hard part was, I don't know where Derek's at eternally. But what I do know is this. I know that my relationship with him was so honest and authentic that there was two key things that I will never forget him saying to me. One, you're the only pastor that I actually like talking to because you're not shoving Jesus down my throat. Now, I always unpack that with him, going, what do you mean? He's like, well, you don't bring up Jesus in every sentence. It's like every fourth sentence. Okay, I'll take that. But then he said, I really admire you as a dad. And for me, not having a dad growing up, let me just be truly transparent. It's the hardest thing. I, my, marriage is easy for me. Parenting is where it's hard. Not having a dad and not knowing what fatherhood looks like and not knowing what masculinity really should be and, and navigating all that and trying to raise two boys. Yeah, funny sense of humor, Jesus. I, I, need, I need to be on my knees. I need to look to God's word. I need to listen to God's spirit. I need to because I believe that the only way for me to walk with life with people is based on God's word. And the only way that I have a testimony of any sort is based on the transformation of Jesus. Um, Kim and I both, we, we've shed lots of tears over Derek's passing. Not, because, just, not just because we don't know where Derek's at, but because of the ramifications of that. But that's where people of hope step in. When we see people in need, when we see crisis, when we see ailments, we go, no, no, no. I believe in this transforming work of Jesus that I'm going to put myself aside. I'm going to act and live like Jesus does. Fun just being so new to PCC, and it's been fun to see what God is stirring in our community and going to continue to stir. And just being here, here's what I would ask you to take home with you. Two things. Find a calendar time to talk with your spouse, your roommates, your friends, your family about what you've done this weekend or maybe what's been stirred. Find a calendar time. Set it. And actually go, hey, let's, let's think about our family rhythm. The other thing I'd encourage you to do is if you're not serving in PCC, let's talk. Because one of the most dynamic aspects of discipleship and growth is you actually going, how do I take what God's doing to me and share with others? What does that look like to be a serving people that go, God, we want to see your gospel transform people and we're going to be willing to do it? I'm going to ask you to pull out your phones or something to write on. Go to your calendar app. And go to a week from today. So what would that be, October 22nd? Yep. 
2.30 p.m. And however you want to put it in your calendar, reflect, talk, regroup, share, care, uh, it doesn't matter. You need to use your terminology. But a week from now, what's your so what? What do you want to look back on this next week of work, of school, of class, of sports, of activities, of whatever, vacation, whatever you're doing? What do you want to look back on? A week from now, what, what, what would you love to see happen in your life, in your person, in your family, in your roommates, in your grandkids, in your spouse, in your job? What would it be? And if you're like me, you're probably going to forget that's in the phone until you see it, which is okay. But I think there's times where we just have to have reminders. We just have to have reminders that go, oh yeah, I need to pause me. And that's the beauty of a weekend like this. We've, a lot of us just paused. I heard someone yesterday go, I took a nap and I'm still tired. Yeah, I get it. And sometimes we just need those intentional breaks. So and maybe you risk and make that a recurring notification. Tony's going to come up and we're going to talk through um, some next steps of uh, leaving here, but also us as a community, and uh, no, think of another way that we'd be able to care. But let me pray for us real quick. Jesus, thanks for the space we've had to talk, to share, to even cry, to be able to uh, just meet some new friends and get reacquainted with people that maybe we haven't talked with in a while. Thanks for the time with our families. Thanks for seeing kids just play. God, thanks for seeing people just have a break in their rhythm and breathe. Thanks for late night under stars, being able to chat through life. Thank you for you. And Jesus, at the end of it, all these are memories, but what we want is we want to lean into your spirit, and we want your spirit to continue to speak in ways that convict us, confirm us, challenge us, and compel us to be a part of your people in this Bay Area, saying yes to all that you'd have for us. We truly love you, and we thank you for your love that is grace daily. listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.